Hey, Peter. Hey. Who's the most important figure in comping history? Hold on. Let me, let me look through this newspaper I've got here. <laughs> extra, um, extra. Extra, extra. Who's the best comper? It's McCoy. Tyner? Yeah. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the Your Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Coming at you today brought to you by Open Studio. Go to Open Studio Jazz for all your jazz piano lesson needs. Yes. All your jazz lesson needs, really. Get jazzy over there. I mean, there. We, have, we have Christian McBride on bass. We have Gregory Hutchinson on drums. We have Ulysses Owens Jr. on drums. We have Ruben Rogers on bass. We have all these pianists. Peter Martin, Jeffrey Keys, or Elio Alves, me. We have Steve Wilson. We've got a bunch of folks. We do. Yeah. We do. Very exciting. Yeah. A lot of new stuff coming up. That's right. So what uh, are we talking about today? Today we're talking about our seven, wait, no, seven great moments in comping history. You were about to say your seven great moments. In, you were I about know. to personalize this bad boy, Well, it you? is personal for me, this one. <laughs> this one. I love compers. <laughs> it's not a word. Yeah. But no, no, no. A Reminds good, me like the chompers on like a crawfish, your crawdaddy, you know? A good pianist, and you know, my list is only pianist, and there are great moments for guitarists, but-, but Aren't you know, there, though? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but you know, guitarists, go find your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're for everybody, though. We are, yeah. We're no. an all-inclusive podcast. No, but we wanted to do our favorite piano moments here. And so uh, these are things that mean a lot to me. These are these are moments where I was like, oh, I want to comp like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the first one that comes to mind is uh, from a Lester Young trio record. This is Lester Young, Nack and Cole, and Buddy Rich, right? Tenor mm. saxophone, piano, and drums. A very odd combination. Yes. But what Challenge. makes this a challenging Very situation. challenging. And what makes this such a historic comping recording for me is how great Nat King Cole is at this. And then also, when I discovered this album, I only knew him from like, you know, Unforgettable, yeah, you know, right. stuff like that. And I didn't realize how swinging and legit of a jazz pianist he was. Oh, so yeah, this is on. Somebody Loved Me from the Lester Young Trio record. listen to what he's doing in that feel he's doing this mix of like walking tense and then he'll kind of like hint at stride for a second yeah and then he'll just sort of fill in with some bombs it's like it's kind of what we talk about when we talk about solo piano playing and how it's like you don't just go into a walking feel or whatever he kind of is implying all these things not to mention just the tastiest right hand fills and chords put at just the right place. It's tasty AF for sure. It, it really is. And I think that, I mean, the fact that he's walking the bass line and even going in and out of the stride and stuff while comping yeah. makes it even more impressive. Right? I mean, you, you feels like like you don't miss the bass player too much on this record. It no. feels like a whole a whole rhythm section on his own there. Yeah. He's implying the feel without just explicitly being like speck it to do right, right. you know, it's like this really subtle and I thought they'd snuck a bass player in there. I, I had to do a double take there. Isn't that awesome? I was like Lester Young Trio. That's I hear the drums, I hear the saxophone, I hear the piano. I thought I heard a little little early Ray Brown up in there, but nope. no, no, just all in that. And that's such a uh, what what a great um, exemplar of uh, independence of the hands, mm. 
but also linking together conceptually. It's funny, like when we talk about independence of the hand, so important for pianists, obviously, and a lot of folks think that it's some sort of uh, in you know born or inbred <laughs> talent, as it inbred were, talent. <laughs> that you're something that you're born with or bred with. Cletus, you got independence <laughs> of the hands. Come on, sorry. Um, was... But the thing about it is, um, you know, it's like you have to have. The, that kind of independence where he's striding, he's walking, and then comping at a high level. But conceptually, they're very much linked together. For sure. So that's actually the hardest part about it. It's For like sure. you're still playing as one musician, controlling the instrument. In this case, having to fit into, as you said, a very challenging um, instrumentation type of situation. And yeah, check that out. And you can check all these out on our Spotify playlist that we've made for this episode. Uh, there's a link here in the description. Yes. So check that out. Yeah. Uh, that was, again, Nat King Cole really making it sound easy, some some things that are very not easy to do. Right. Uh, yes. I'm Ed McMahon. You're Jimmy J- <laughs> uh, uh, Johnny Carson today. That's, right. That's like right. it. All right, next up we have Thelonious Monk. This is from his Brilliant Corners oh, record. I love this track. I love this track. It's so good. And his comping on this, it's like from anybody else, it might be overpowering. You know what I mean? Yeah. The way he just, behind the solo. He jumps all up in there. He's, he's a confident comper. He's a confident comper. Ooh, what you better tempo. know the melody if you're, exactly. if you're soloing over Monk, right? I mean, he's already, he comps behind his melody. Ah. Wait, can we pause? Wait, pause for just a second there. Okay, we gotta go back and hear that. What he played in the first four bars, comping wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. is like an encyclopedia of. And I remember like learning a lot of this stuff. I mean, I when I was like really trying to get his comping and stuff off these records, like I couldn't really hear well enough to get it. So I spent so much time like, wait, do I have it? Do I not? But I realized what I got out of this was like the rhythm the rhythmic riffs of yeah. how he comp between his melodies before you even get to it. So can we just listen to those first four bars? This is the intro. Yeah. Uh. He's playing the melody with uh. And right here. Woo. Double time. He's, He's like a drummer. He's like a drummer. It really is. It really is. And then the drummer is just like... Ooh, he's floating above. And then the drums play. I mean, you know what I mean? They're, they're listening. And I guarantee you none of that was planned out. No. That was like on-the-spot listening rapport. Here I think go. what's great about this, too, is you have him being busy and filling space at times. And then when the solo section starts, sometimes he'll just lay out. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll be like, space. I'm either going to be all up on your business. He's Mr. Spaceman. Or I'm Mr. Spaceman. Exactly. Shout out exactly. to Mr. Spaceman out there. Hashtag Mr. Spaceman. Simple voicing, but there's always a melodic component to his comping in a way that we just, I always want to do that, and I just it's can't amazing. achieve that level. Thelonious Monk from Brilliant Corners, that's Baloo Boulevard Baloo's. That's me applauding there. Thelonious Monk's comping, not only on this, but just on, you know, this is the kind of, like, just sort of slow blues that is a, a big challenge to comp on. Hell yeah. You know, <laughs> hell, hell the yes. best way most pianists can kind of emulate the way, the level that Thelonious Monk comped on this would be the laying out part that's pretty much all we can do <laughs> yeah and and still we don't do that no exactly 
All right, our next one. This is talk about expert level. This is from uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong's their second record together. This is Oscar Peterson basically just blowing through <laughs> yeah. everything they're Oscar doing. Oscar Peterson's style of comping would be to solo it's like a, a separate Austin. It's so good. Oh yeah. Ellen is a fine right? romance with no kisses. A fine romance, my It's very like riff and pattern based this to the way he's playing. You know, playing. We should be like a couple of hot tomatoes. But he's playing light too. That's not that's not just a mix. Yeah. Potatoes. It's a very fine like romance. You, know, you won't nestle a fine romance. You won't. Very rooted in the New Orleans style well of playing early jazz, where like everybody's playing at the same time, but they were listening. You know. That's the key. You can't just blow through. Yeah. It's a fine romance with no kisses on a melody. Romance, it's almost friend. like an orchestra. Yeah. You know, like well, it is it's great because Oscar's like, well, I can't get a solo. By the end of the melody in the first two choruses, I already played a solo. So it's just a bonus if I get to solo again. I got more stuff I can say, you know. Kind of like we're talking through his solo. We're talking over Oscar's solo, who's soloing over yeah, yeah, yeah. Elephant. We're putting three hats on three hats. Just play if we yeah. want. That's Oscar Peterson on uh, Ella and Louie again on Fine Romance. Unbelievable that he did that. Come on, Oscar. Yep. Uh, Next, this is, I don't even know if many people know this record. This is a Ben Webster record from 1964 called See You at the Fair when the World Fair was in Queens. I don't know this. How do I not know this? You know, he was a little bit older by this point. um, And this is Hank Jones on piano. I forget where I heard this but the first time, but... I always think of this as like the most ideal filling with chords that you could comp. Like it already. All like his block already. chord things here are so melodic. Even this intro. different than Monk and Oscar Peterson in terms of like I think what his concept so often and like definitely this is an indication of it here was having a contrast to the way whoever he's coming behind from a phrasing standpoint it wasn't about playing things at the same time it was very much about fitting in between but it was like the way he phrases is really a contrast and and kind of folds in nicely with with the way Ben Webster, as opposed to just being like playing underneath him. That's right. It's both finishing what Ben Webster is stating and yeah. leading him to the next place. Well, I like the finish. Almost, almost like a nice shellac. He's a little sheen, a little like a, shellac. Like a port wine. Ooh, a port wine. You know, you've had off. your meal. Right. Maybe even have had dessert. Right. You're going to have just one. Hey, is that your foot over there? Yeah. Hey, man, no footsie during watch the podcast, watch. man. Uh, you've oh, had, sorry, you have white tennis shoes on too. Yeah, also, <laughs> double. Uh, you've had your dessert, you've had right. your dinner. 
time for footsie. It's time for port wine and footsie. Port wine and footsie. All right, we're Hank Jones that. and Ben Webster, the port wine and footsie. <laughs> wine of. <laughs> they were musically paying, playing footsies with each other there. <laughs> they really were. But you know what? That was. Maybe that's why that happened. I mean, Hank Jones. So I remember the first time I heard him live, um, 1991, um, Terramino, Sicily, on the island, beautiful live summer outdoor festival, my first time in Sicily, my first time in Italy, yeah. my first time in Europe. I'd be mean, like just playing with Betty Carter nice. and uh, uh, Hank Jones' trio with Kenny Washington and, man, I can't remember who was on bass. I, I didn't know him at the time, but they're they're playing first. And I'm sitting there listening to it, and I was just like, I was like looking out at the ocean, yeah. you know, had a great Italian Sicilian meal, and I'm listening to Hank Jones as like the sun goes down. I was like... I'm dead. I'm in heaven. Yeah. I'm in heaven. I mean, it was just like, I yeah. still remember, you, you know, and every time I would hear him play after that, I would just be taken back to that place. Like just his effortless mastery, if you will, Absolutely. at comping for sure. But a Absolutely. lot of, a lot of things with the instrument. I remember being so inspired by that. Totally. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you like, uh, Herbie Hancock? Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Rarely referred to on this podcast, right? Yeah, we never cover. <laughs> Man, Herbie. Herbie could just sue us so bad for all that we have referenced uh, him. But we love him so. We, we would gladly, we would gladly take detention in it's a legal manner. <laughs> We'd be so happy to be appearing, appearing in court. We'd have no defense except we love you, Herbie. There's so many Herbie moments that you could have used for great moments of comping history. I'm using Pinocchio from uh, Miles Davis Nefertiti yeah. album because this is a hard tune to comp. It is all the Wayne tunes. Hard tune to play. With the non-functional harmony, yeah. it's tricky. And Herbie, at a time where this was brand new, yeah. this idea was such a huge part of the sound. Oh, he's so he's so locked in with Tony. I, I think that's bad. like he rode on Tony's comping on here rhythmically, and then just had such great voices. I gotta I gotta put the screen back in my set list, man. This yeah. Man, I think this, unlike the plug nickel or one of those, they, they fly through this live. And yeah. Man, I think Herbie's comping on plug nickel, even though there's a lot of laying out, it's some masterful stuff, too, on the extended plug nickel. It's just so sophisticated, still swinging. Woo! Yeah, perfect. He could, he could cascade up, and Oh, Uh, I mean, there's a lot of um, courage the way he's comping on this, you know? Confidence, yeah. Yeah, sure. confidence. Uh, ooh, he's playing some Herbieisms. He was already that, playing Herbieisms. Get that Herbie there. stuff together. <laughs> got that That's Pinocchio from yeah. Nefertiti, Miles Davis. If you don't know that late, like if you haven't really taken a deep dive on that second great Miles Quintet, that... I think Nefertiti is a great way in. It's a great record all around. If you haven't taken a deep dive on that, put your snorkel on and um, go in the deep end. All right, so next we go to the Kang. What? McCoy Tyner. You and oh, I had some arguments Sir while McCoy we were putting this list together about what McCoy Tyner to use. So I just put this in there and didn't tell you. Okay. Because this isn't from... I, you know, I see the same... I see it before I, I know. hear it. This okay. isn't from any of the Coltrane stuff that we've been talking about lately on the podcast. It isn't even from a McCoy record. This is from Joe, Joe Henderson's Inner urge. Hmm. This is inner urge. Huh. <laughs> oh man, this is masterful. It really is. The way he's catching just the right parts of the melody and the and the the, the top note that he's using, the yeah. shape of the chord and the top oh. note. 
And you have the feeling that this is probably the first time they were playing. Yeah. You know. And again, we all have now the luxury of having played Inner Earth for yeah. years and years. Well, I can come just as good as McCoy on this. No problem. Just listen to the record for 30 years. Yeah, just do what he did. <laughs> but that choice of what went, what you're going to highlight, man, it, just, it shapes the architecture of the melody and then sets up the solo. Well, they start with the bass solo, but, it, but, but it's not, I like that. I like that. Inner Urge, Joe Henderson, that's McCoy Tyner. There's so many great moments on this entire album, actually. Yeah. But for me, for modern jazz, or what we, what we call modern jazz, even though it's all 60 years old now, McCoy is the king of this kind of sound. McCoy's still out here though, so that so we we went back in the well with him, but he's still out here doing his thing, oh, so that's all good. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, we, we're going to go out. Before we go out with number seven, though, don't forget to go to openstudiojazz.com and check out our courses. Go to youllhearit.com and leave us a speak pipe. Tell us your you'll hear it story. Tell us your favorite you'll hear it moments or any way that this podcast has helped you become a better musician. We're kind of collecting stories. We've been hearing a lot from our listeners, and it's just great to hear. Yeah, and we don't want to. Um open up us ourselves to a lawsuit from not only Herbie Hancock but NPR as well but we did we've been getting some stories of kind of driveway moments what what we, we what we like to call or freeway moments yeah practice room moments practice room moments <laughs> yeah. which is which is super fun and also check out our YouTube channel for open studio it's not the you'll hear it YouTube channel but it might as well be now yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're putting up selected uh, episodes not today's but we're putting up many episodes there getting a little attention you've been doing a, going doing some solo YouTube so I hear some tutorials you too yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, so that's been waiting fun. on your all things you are bro come on man it's coming man <laughs> come on, bring it bring I'm trying to all right, we're going to go out here with, uh, we, we rarely reference this album. I know, so take your notepad out, because we're going to really it's called, go back to the well. It's called Kind of Blue. What? Yeah. So What is the name of the track? Ever no, this is it? actually not, this is from a different album. This is So What, but this is Kind of Blue Legacy Edition, <laughs> which is the same. This is the great Bill Evans, and there are just moments on here that are now iconic comping moments. Oh, uh, you think? Yeah. You'll hear it. So what voicings? <laughs> the so what voicings? <laughs> 